so good to see
you turn to your neighbor this morning as the band begins the next song? Just greet each other, say hello. We are so glad to have you here with us today. glad to be here this morning. We're so thankful for all that God is doing. We'd like to welcome you to Crossroads Ministries this morning. Uh, let's give our band a hand. Thank them. What a great, great way to lead us into Christmas music. This morning, I'd like to ask you to please pass the friendship folders down the aisle at this time, and uh, that helps us to better minister to you and your family. Um, just a few announcements. We have the uh, 2016 offering envelopes are in the foyer. If, uh, if you'd like to get yours, uh, please pick them up today. If, there's, if you'd like to get some and you don't have, there's not one with your name out there, sign the tablet and we'll make sure we get you a set for next year. Uh, we'll have them here next week for you. So uh, we're thankful for all that God has been doing. A lot of great things are happening around the church today and this past week, past several weeks. So many people have opened their hearts to God. and We're so thankful for that. 
the Christmas Desserts Theater. We want to say thank you to everybody who helped. Uh, all the people that were up here on the stage, they did a lot of work, several months worth of work to bring people to Christ, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, for the people who made the gym happen, that was fantastic over there. Pe the men who worked on the set, I mean, that, that set was just incredible that was up here. Uh, let's thank those men for that. That was uh, our Wednesday work crew, you know. But we want to say thank you, everybody, greeting, people who were greeting, people who were helping to see everything. We were working together as a church to tell people the greatest news, that Jesus loves them and how that they could have eternal life. So this week, up more than 20 responses. We, we sent out Gospels of John to more than 20 people this week who responded at the Christmas Dessert Theater last, year, uh, last week. And, uh, and, and, and before that, a family came to Christ the week before that. Uh, great things were happening, and it's a wonderful time of year to see people open their hearts to God. So we want to thank everybody for the Christmas Dessert Theater, and then we want to also remind you about Christmas Eve. That's this Thursday, if you can believe that. Four o'clock and six o'clock is our Christmas Eve services. Uh, it's going to be, they're going to be great services filled with music. It'll be one hour. You'll be here and going on to your family gathering, but what a great way to come and celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus Christ before all the festivities begin in your neck of the woods. So we want to encourage you to be here. As you leave today, we're going to give you a, an invite. It's a little card. I'm going to ask everyone to take one or two or maybe five, whatever you can take, but pray about who you can give it to this week. You know, you have neighbors. Maybe we don't talk to them too often. Go over and take a tray of cookies to them. Say, here, here's a tray of cookies. Merry Christmas. And by the way, if you don't have anything going on at 4 or 6 o'clock, why don't you come up to our church? Better yet, if you do have something going on, cancel, because this is going to be pretty good, right? This is going to be an exciting time. Be here, 4 o'clock and 6, but invite them, and just take a step of faith. I was so excited. We shared last week asking people to do that. Somebody grabbed me in the middle of the week and said, hey, I took that home, and God opened the opportunity, and my family's coming Christmas Eve. So we're excited about what God is doing in the church here. And then we have our, our birthday gift to Jesus offering, which, uh, which is, always helps me to make Christmas more about Jesus than it is about me. We're sitting right now almost at $22,000, and our goal is $75,000. So I'd like to ask you to reach inside of your bulletin and pull out the, uh, the paper there for the birthday gift to Jesus, and you can see the list. And as you look over the list, you'll see there are just so many missionaries that God has, uh, that they're His missionaries, and He's allowed us to help meet part of their need. Uh, just a few of them I'm going to put up on the screen here. First is Daniel and Ana Gonzalez in Ecuador. As you know, we've developed a great relationship with Daniel and Ana, uh, their whole team. And our, what we give to them is $6,000. That goes down. That supports Daniel and Ana, Pocho and his family, uh, Israel and his wife. And, and just the, the, there's a whole team of them. And, uh, and as we think of them this morning in Ecuador, they're out doing the work that God's called them to do. And we're on this side. We're praying, Lord, would you help us supply their need? And I'll tell you what was really interesting. A few years back, um, we all of a sudden bumped up our support for, to $5,000 to help him out of the birthday gift to Jesus. And at that same moment, as we were sending that, I remember calling him and saying, Daniel, I want to share with you the church has picked up. We've gained some support for you here. And he, he was in tears. And he says, you don't understand. We had a church that was supporting us about $500 a month. They're no longer able to support us. So God used our church to pick up the difference. Isn't that exciting? And so here, here we are. We're just being our church. We're doing what we do. We're asking God to provide. And here God uses us to meet their need. So as we, as we have them on there, uh, Ecuador, Daniel, and Ana Gonzalez, we're going to be taking a trip there this summer. We're pretty excited about what God is going to do there. And our people will get a hands-on experience uh, in the mission field. And then there's also Sarah Henderson. Sarah Henderson, uh, she grew up here in the church, Sarah Dedrick Henderson, and uh, her and her, her, her husband and her kids are there, and you can see in that picture she, she has a baby on the way, number three on the way, and uh, they're at the University of South Carolina, and they're opening up God's Word, and they're trying to make disciples right on the campus there, and they have a club that meets regularly, and they are reaching out and winning people to Jesus, and we get to have a part in that ministry. God has allowed our church to support them for the past several years. And so I'm thankful for these people. They're, they're real-life people, you know. But when you think of those missionaries, sometimes you don't think of the reality. But here's a lady and her husband. They're out there. 
trying to raise a family, trying to make disciples. Here's Daniel and Ana Gonzalez out on the mission field in Ecuador trying to raise their family. Their family's grown now, and they're trying to continue the ministry that God's called them to do. So uh, we'll put that thermometer back up just to keep that in our sight. And I'd like to ask you to pray about your part. You know, remember our four-part formula for, su- for success. Number one is to pray about your part. We ask you to pray and ask that, that God would make that a priority to you. We, I think we have those on the screen. We'll ask you to pray. If we, if we can get everybody to pray, we'll hit the $75,000. Ask God to provide for us. Uh, the second step there is to give more to Jesus than anybody else on your list. Uh, you know, it's fun to go give, and it's fun to go through the malls and, and do our, our routine this time of year. But I'm so thankful that we can give more to Jesus. And through this, we can invest in eternity give more to him than anybody else. And then our third step is to give by faith. Ask God for a number. Lord, what would you have me to give? And it's amazing how God supplies that need when we ask him. And then he gives. And then we we give it to him. And then we're thankful. Our fourth part is to be thankful. Be thankful that God has allowed us to give and to bless his name, to bless his missionaries. So 75,000 is our goal. We're right at 22,000 right now. And uh, I'd like to ask you just to keep praying and uh, that God would uh, take us there. And I know we'll let him meet the needs. Amen? He's Jehovah Jireh, our Lord provides. So that being said, let's stand this morning and receive our morning offering. Uh, We're glad that you're here this morning. And as we worship the Lord, we come to adore him and, uh, and, and, and give to him this morning. If you're a guest today, please feel free to let the plate pass you by. Uh, and, 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 but if you're a regular, this is an opportunity for you to worship the Lord this morning through giving. Just uh, reminded of our, uh, our dinner theater that was over there. Weren't those, uh, those, the gingerbread houses were awesome. I want to congratulate Beth and, and Vince DiPietro for theirs. Give them a hand. They did a fa- They were number one. Of course, they were all excellent, and uh, we thank you all for your support there and uh, helping make these events special. Let's pray to the Lord, shall we? Our Father God, we come before you and we thank you. Thank you for being God. Thank you for who you are as we come to this point where we worship you now, Lord, through giving. We realize that you have given us all that we have. And we're going to give back to you because you are God. So, Lord, thank you that you've uh, allowed us to, to be able to be on the supply end for these missionaries. Thank you you've given to us that we can give more to you than to anybody else, that we, can, that we can make an impact on eternity for your kingdom's sake. God, we ask you to meet these needs, and uh, we ask that uh, you'll bless each gift and each giver. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Sacrifice of hell. 
series started last Sunday called He Will Be Called. If you have your Bibles, head over to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He will be called. Uh, Today we're going to focus in on the Prince of Peace. When we think about the names of God, um, right here Isaiah is giving us some names, and the names are so important because it describes his character. And today we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. When you think about peace, I think that peace is a rare quality today, isn't it? You know, when you, when you ask somebody, do you have peace, it's rare that you find somebody that truly has peace. Um, you know, if we were to go around in, in the streets today and ask people, um, you would find all kind of different things, especially here in Pittsburgh. And I think in every city, you would find all kind of things that people would say about peace. As a matter of fact, here's a, a short clip here. I'd like to share with you. Uh, somebody went out and asked people, um, is there peace? And l- let's listen to their responses. Okay, we are out on White Ave today, and since Christmas season is the time for peace, we're asking people if they have ever experienced peace in their life and when. I don't think so, no. I can think of a couple things, but maybe not on air. (laughs) Uh, yes. I don't know when. (laughs) Peace. What kind of peace do you mean? Define peace. Inner peace? Environmental peace? (laughs) When I'm at home with my wife. You know what? The beach makes me feel peaceful. Just before bed, going to bed. When I'm sleeping. (laughs) When I'm sitting at home, on the couch, on my own. I suppose as a child. I guess with my family. Backstage when the show's over. Probably when I was a kid. Yes, I have. I have. Traveling. Away from all the problems. Hiding them almost, but yes, I have. 
For a brief moment, it's not really like this piece everywhere, so... I don't even remember one time. When I'm doing my addiction, that's hunting and fishing. I'm an AT hunter, I'm a trapper. That's when I experience peace, when I'm away from people. My mother went through a heart attack, and I guess peace when, when uh, she got over it. <laughs> Illegal activities? <laughs> In the mountains, or like riding my horse, and going real fast. <laughs> peace is watching my little baby daughter sleep. I think I've experienced the most peace in a West African refugee camp. Well, lately, not so much, but I think, yeah, I have experienced peace in my life. Probably one time at camp, I was sitting on top of this mountain, and just this beautiful view, just all these beautiful trees and lakes everywhere. I think that would probably be the time I've been most at peace in my life. Standing on the cliffs of Moor in Ireland. Uh, probably when I went to India. I experienced peace in my life. When I see my family, because that's what the most important thing is. Every day, because my boyfriend loves me. When I became a Christian, Christmas is time of peace, except for like shopping and the chaos and stuff. Around Christmas time, I always feel really peaceful. It's a really good time of year. Right now. Right now, why? Because <laughs> I'm almost done my shopping. <laughs> I guess when I've been just kind of focused on God and not letting everything else in life stress me out. So I'm not at finals right now, no. Um, I've never ex experienced peace in my life. Um, like specifically, what do you mean, like really? Getting my ear pierced? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No, man. There's always something going on. Everything. There's always chaos going on. I think the closest I've ever came to peace Probably in Korea, in the gym. Just going to the gym every day and like, I don't know, it was a, it was a weird sense of community because I couldn't speak any Korean and they couldn't speak any English. But, but we had a blast, you know, and everyone got along famously. And, but yeah, no, it's always a fight, man. Always a struggle, every day. I've known peace like pretty much all my life because of I know God and that gives me peace. Every morning when I wake up next to her, I don't, know, I don't see any war here, do you? <laughs> I don't know, my life's pretty peaceful. Don't really get into too many fights or arguments or don't really have to defend myself physically on a daily basis. Uh, before the age of four? Uh, usually at the hardest times in my life. Yeah, and I think that's grace. Yeah, you realize uh, what your priorities are and you um, seem to connect with people on a more real level when you're in hard times. of what people think of when you ask them peace. And I'm sure if you went around to your community and asked people if they have peace, you'd hear all kind of things. And people have all, all kind of ideas, and probably most people would tell you that they don't have peace. But yet Jesus says, Isaiah says here that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Um, would you read with me off the screen there, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, let's read it aloud together. For unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace so this morning we want to stop and look at the prince of peace because again this was this verse was written 700 years before Jesus comes to the earth that's 2,700 years from where we're at today that this verse was written. And Isaiah tells us that who, who the Messiah would be. If you look earlier in chapter 9, you'll find he says that, that it's, a, it's dark, but it won't always be dark. Uh, it, it's grim, it won't always be gloomy. That the light is coming. And he tells us who the light is. So he is telling us ahead of time the long-awaited Messiah. And first of all, in your notes th this morning is this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's referring here to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. But when you think of the Prince of Peace, what do you think of? And when I think of a prince, I always think of a kid. I think of the child, uh, the child to be king one day. I don't think of the, the man who's really in charge. But the word prince actually comes from a, a Hebrew word here. That, remember, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So the Hebrew word there is sar, and it means this. It means to, to, give, uh, to be the one in charge, to be the Lord, to be the chief, to be the general. It's kind of like the umpire of a game. 
He is in charge. And so what, what Isaiah is telling us here is that Jesus is going to be the one in charge of peace. And, and if you look through Isaiah, you'll see that, that all throughout Isaiah, he talks about peace. He, he gives a lot about peace. As a matter of fact, you go up to chapter 55 and you'll read about the coming millennial reign of Jesus. When Jesus comes and he will reign in peace, and it says that the lion and the lamb will be able to lay together. You know, that doesn't happen today. The lion and the lamb don't get along. He says that he will come in peace. Uh, he's the prince of peace. He's the one in charge. And then peace is the word shalom. You may have heard that. That's a common greeting. You know, maybe I know when we were over with the Bergs over in Squirrel Hill there, they were telling us, uh, you know, they would greet people and they would say shalom. And so that word means peace. We translate it as peace. But also, uh, they use it more commonly to say, like, good morning, goodbye, uh, hello and goodbye type of thing, uh, wishing you wellness. But it, it's more than just wellness. It's, it's wholeness. It's completeness. Shalom is rest, completeness, tranquility. So when somebody says shalom in, in the Jewish language, they're saying, I wish you peace. I wish you wholeness. I wish you completeness. Isaiah 48, verse 17, we read here about peace like a river. And look what Isaiah says here. He says, this is what the Lord says, your, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the path that you should follow. Now there, that's what, exactly what the, God's Word is all about. He teaches you what is good for you. Shows you the path that you ought to follow. All that you had listened to my commands. He's telling the nation here, the nation of Israel, only if you would have listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like the waves in the sea. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah tells us, if you would just follow God, you would have peace. That was a direct promise to the nation of Israel. The direct promise was, if you would have just followed God, if you would just come back, and followed the Lord, you would have that peace restored. You see, the nation of Israel had experienced great prosperity. And there's nothing wrong with prosperity. It's a great thing. But the nation of Israel, when they became times of prosperous, they relaxed, and they slid off, and they slid away from their God. And so they would go through these cycles over and over. And that's what happens to us in our life. We go through these cycles. When times are hard, we come running into God. And then God gives us prosperity. We have great times. Times ease up. He gives us peace. We have hope. We have all these things of His presence. And we slowly slide out of His presence. We slowly say, I don't need that anymore. I think I'll be right. All right. And I go on my own. You see, what we do is we step out of the reigning of the peace. He's, he's in charge of peace. Why would I step out of what He wants? Why would I go out and try to direct my own life? Why would the nation of Israel do that? God gave them everything. God provided for them. And yet they would go out and they would continue to go back to their own ways. That's what happens to us as humans. We come, we come into God. We, we are so excited about this relationship with God. And then we slowly just drift off. And we become unpeaceful in our life. Notice there. Remember, I, I don't know if you remember that song, I've Got Peace Like a River. You know, when we were kids, that's what we sang around the church. I've got peace like a river. I've got love like an ocean. That's where this verse is, what that song was based on, this verse. I've got peace like a river. If you would just come back to God. And God wants to lead us. That's the principle of those verses. That God wants to lead us. He is your wonderful counselor, like we talked about last week. And He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. And if you'll just keep coming back under His reign of peace you will experience the Prince of Peace yourself. You will experience His reign in your life. Uh, a river is always fresh. It's always abundant. It's always deep flowing. That's a river. And He says that you would have peace like that river. Fast forward to, um, to when Jesus came to earth. If you have your Bible, and would like to turn over to Luke chapter 2, and, and we can follow along here. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, we're going to look at just the time that Jesus came when the Prince of Peace himself entered this earth. And let's look at the circumstances and the, the surrounding, the setting that, that, the, and of his day. It says, that verse, chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the, she- in the verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in, a man- wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. As we think of the, the moment when Jesus came, of the surroundings of when Jesus came, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you know what? It doesn't seem too peaceful, does it? Here was a young woman, Mary. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. They were betrothed. That's the, 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 the formal engagement period. It was a little bit heavier than our engagement period today. Um, but they're, they're, it's like they're serious. They're ready to be married. But there was no physical relationship at this point. And so God comes to Mary and, uh, and, and says that you're going to have a baby. Now imagine Mary going and telling her friends. She's a young woman. Uh, we're, we're engaged to be married, and, but we haven't had relationship yet. And, he's, and, and she says, but it's God. I'm carrying God in my body, right? Uh, just imagine the, the, uh, the pressure on her as, uh, as she felt that from her friends, from her family, of an unwed mother. Listen, there's unwed mothers today, and we deal with it. But in those days... My goodness, it was, it was unheard of. And so the, the, she was downcast. I mean, it was pain, a lot of pain for her. And then imagine Joseph, as, as Joseph is trying to process. Uh, Mary, you're going to have, uh, what is, uh, oh, yeah, Mary, <laughs> that's God, okay? And, and just imagine what's happening. So the tension comes into their relationship. So the angel comes before Joseph and calms him down. And, the, and so Mary and Joseph both meet with the angel, and they have to trust God as they go forward. But, but not a whole lot of peaceful in that, what we think of peace, is there? I mean, talk about conflict. Talk about turmoil. Talk about up and down and not understanding what was going on and, and how that nobody else understood what God was doing in their life. I find that happens a lot in my life. God's doing something and nobody else can seem to understand. He's working. At, I don't even understand what he's doing half the time. But I can trust Him, and I can have peace knowing Him through all this. That's what Mary and Joseph did. They responded to the Lord, and they went forward with the plan of God. And then, you know, it's, it's time for the census to be taken. So they have to go back to Bethlehem. And here's a lady, nine months pregnant, on a donkey. Now, some of you have driven your wife at nine months pregnant, right? You know what that's like. It's not too happy of a time. Uh, I mean, it's happy when the baby comes. But just, just think of this. Nine months pregnant women on a donkey. Okay? Just, just think of that. Uh, talk about not a happy day. <laughs> okay? She's riding a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. And she makes this long journey to Bethlehem. They get there and there's no room. Everything's booked up. Imagine the tension between Mary and Joseph. You know? Joseph, if you would have just used Hotels.com, right? You know? Joseph, if you would have just communicated, couldn't you have booked ahead? Uh, sorry, the visa wasn't working, right? No. But you know, imagine, it, just imagine that discussion. We're, here we are, I'm going to have this baby, and Joseph, we can't even, they're going to put us in a stable. They put us out in the back in a stable, there's no room. And so here comes the Messiah, the long-awaited, the long-promised Messiah, the Prince of Peace, enters the earth in less than desirable circumstances. Less than 
than that perfect environment everywhere. I mean, he's, he's in a barn. He's not in a hospital. Uh, he's not in however everybody else was born. He's out in a barn in a stable with animals around him. It's lowly. It's humble. And yet the Son of Man comes there. Jesus is born. The Prince of Peace is born right there in that environment. Uh, and you look at it and you say, wow, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, but that's the path that God chose. And sometimes the world will be looking at your life and you will have that question, boy, it doesn't make sense. Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God allow that to happen? And the only answer is that we can come back to the Prince of Peace. And that's who Jesus is here. He is the Prince of Peace. Uh, he, he's, he said that he would give us peace. One of the things that Jesus said, he said, I will give you as a gift of peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. When he was on earth, that's what he said. I will, I'm the one who's going to give you the peace. He said, you will have trouble. So notice, peace does not mean no troubles. I think there's where we disconnect. We disconnect. We think that peace means, oh, my troubles are gone. Everything's going to be happy now, right? And I'm going to be able to have this calm, peaceful life. No, you can have a peaceful life. It may not be calm. Okay? And so for us, we have to get this. It's a sense of wholeness. It's a sense of wellness. It's a sense that I am okay. And so let's look at some of the, the peace that God gives this morning. Uh, you know, the world gives peace, but it's very temporary. Very temporary. It's fragile and it and disappears quickly. But God gives the kind of peace that will last. So what kind of peace does he give? The next thought in your notes this morning is this, that true peace starts with Jesus. True peace starts with Jesus. It doesn't start by having a, a better time management skill. It doesn't start by going and having more exercise. It doesn't start by having a better job or a better hobby. Those are all the things that, the advice that you'll get out there, how to have peace. And those are all good things. We need to develop in all of those areas. But peace can only really come from Jesus himself. And if we could just begin to understand it, you can't buy peace. You won't find it on sale at Macy's this week. You know, there's no, no discount on it. You can only get it through a person. And that's the person of Jesus. Because he is the Prince of Peace. So the first kind of peace I'd like to just look at this morning is upward peace. This is the peace between us and God. Between you and God. Upward peace. The Bible talks about it as peace with God. That's the very first and, and it's the, the most important type of peace that we need to have in our life. Our sin has separated us from, uh, from God. And if we get what we deserve, we're separated from Him forever and ever in a real place called hell, the Bible says. So it's a pretty serious matter. My sin has separated me from God. But yet, I can have that peace with God because of what He did on the cross. Um, Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The key word there is what Jesus has done for us. We have peace. We've been made right. He's restored peace for you through what he did on the cross, not through what you've done. Ah, this is the big difference in our culture. You ask anybody how they'll get to God, they'll tell you all their good works that they'll try to do. Ask anybody how to have peace with God, they'll tell you, well, you know, live a better life. Well, you know what? The Buddhists will tell you that. So will all kind of other people out there will tell you that. All, all the religions will come up with that. Only Christianity, only Jesus said, I'm going to take care of that. You don't have to come up with a peace offering. God came up with a peace offering. It was the life of his son on the cross. And it says there, it says, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's not about what you do. It's about what he has done. And that is where it's at. It's at the cross. So we're all level at the, at the foot of the cross. We come before him. We've all sinned. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. And Jesus came to pay for the price of our sin. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We're coming not just to celebrate him as a little baby. If it ended there, it wouldn't be much of a story. It was the story that changed the whole world. It was the, the history that has changed our world, changed the entire course of history. Because Jesus was born as a baby, virgin birth born, and he went all, lived a perfect life, never once sinned, goes all the way to the cross, and he pays your price on the cross. 
Now you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled. In other words, our peace has been restored. That's what reconciliation is, to restore that peace. Our, if we were enemies, we were reconciled, restored peace to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, having peace restored, we shall be saved by His life. You don't have to come up with some offering to get to Him. Your, your life, the good that you do, isn't going to gain you any favor with God. Now, we'll talk about the inward peace next here. But uh, Hebrews 10.10 says this, for God's, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Now, I want you to recognize in that verse, it doesn't say, for you were to be made holy by trying to live a better life. It says, you were made holy by what? The sacrifice of Christ. You realize that your good works doesn't make you holy. Now, that, that is really freeing for me because, you know, what, what about this person? You look around and try to compare. The standard that we compare to is Jesus Christ. And so you can only be made holy through, the, through Christ, what he did on the cross. Now, the next step, though, is inward peace. So there's the, the upward peace. The next thought is inward peace. And, uh, and, you know, God has given us inward peace. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace of God... Roll in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. That's within me. Look, it says, let the peace of God roll in your hearts. There's, that's, that's within you. That's inside of you. The Bible has a, a, a word for this, uh, for this here. It's let the, the peace of God roll in you. That's your emotional peace. Let God reign in your mind, in your heart. Let him roll over you. Let him be in control. See, this goes back to Isaiah. When Isaiah said, you know, come, if you just come and follow God, you'd have that peace. Well, this is how you have that peace. The peace of God. God's peace that is with you every day. Uh, it's internal. It's inside of you. It's something that you get to experience every day of your life. I like what uh, Rick Warren said. Rick Warren said that there are over 790 verses in the Bible about the peace of God. And he says this, that God has a peace for every problem. God has peace for every problem that comes into your life. Now think about that. Uh, for those that have a broken heart, He gives comforting peace. We know the Scripture is real clear about that. For those who have a confused heart, He has a guiding peace. Uh, for those who have a shamed heart, you, you, have a, you have past. We all have yesterday. We all have things we're ashamed of. God gives a forgiving peace. For those who have a worried heart, we all go there from time to time. Our mind gets in torment. Our heart gets shredded. For those who have a worried peace, he gives us confident peace. We have confidence in who he is. And when you have peace with God, one of the, follow, one of the benefits of following him is the peace of God. So I have peace with God. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people stop there. Oh, okay, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, and my account is settled in heaven. And they stop there. I have peace with God. Well, if you stop there, you're missing out on so much more of the Christian life. You're missing out on how to live the rest of this life with peace. God's peace in you. God's peace dwelling in you. Let His peace roll over your heart. That's the peace of God. It's inward. You can walk away. You can choose your own guidance. You can choose to do your own thing. Or you can come back and you can submit to the Prince of Peace. Now... I, again, I, I keep trying to comprehend this. Why would Israel go out and do that? Why would, as a nation, after God gives them so much prosperity, why would they go out and, and do their own thing again and surrender and give up their peace? And I believe that today, as many believers have given up their peace. Uh, God, listen, God didn't say, I'm going to take away your troubles. Sometimes we look at our troubles and we trade our peace for dwelling on our troubles. We say, you know, God has given me peace. I want the peace of God to roll on me. But yet we come and we dwell on our troubles. We dwell on negativity. We dwell on the things, our own expectations that we can't meet. You, you fill in the blank. We dwell on it there and we give up our peace. How about outward peace? This is the next thought, outward peace. So we have peace with God, that's upward. We have the peace of God, that's inward. And now there's the outward peace. 
See, if, if you have been given the peace of God, and you, he's reigning in your life, he's ruling in your life, now we have to do what the angel said. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace on earth. You know how peace on earth will happen? It will never happen through any po- political agenda. Amen? All right, amen a little louder. All right, yeah. It will never happen. There is no government that can figure this out. It is only going to happen through Jesus. But for us as believers, we're walking in the, in the path of Christ. We have Christ in us. So we have the peace of God. So when somebody bumps into us, I get to dispense the peace of God to them. And that's how we have peace on earth. I want you to think about the things that used to bother you. Uh, maybe before you, you had a relationship with God, some things really bothered you. Um, just things about people, you know. They're, they're, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Uh, you know, there's, there's people. There's somebody in your office, somebody in your family, somebody at a gathering, somebody you just don't get along with, right? And there's things that they do that just drive you insane. Uh, that, what happens is we collide. It's like if I have a cup of water. You know, if I took a cup of water up here and you walked into me while I'm carrying that cup of water, what's going to come out? Water. Because it's filled to the brim with water. And if I have a cup of coffee over here, and you come and you walk into me with, with a uh, cup filled with coffee, what's going to come out? Coffee. Well, the same is true in our life. If my life is so consumed with me, and you bump into me, you're going to get a good dose of me. And you're going to get the ugly dose probably, because you've offended me, right? And you're going to get the bitterness and all those things that come out. But if I'm filling my life with Christ and His peace, and you bump into me, guess what happens? Oh, I may react wrongly at first. Eventually, peace comes out. Eventually, Christ comes out. You know, um, saying I'm sorry is one of the greatest things we can do. That's peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what Jesus told us. And so we are to be peacemakers in your life. Are you a peacemaker? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16 Christ has brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. uh, Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. What was happening was that the Jewish people had come to Christ first because Jesus came to the nation of Israel as a Jew, but yet his message was for all. So the Jews responded first, and then the Gentiles began to respond. And so there was a division. Who's more spiritual? Who's this really for? And, and the apostle says here, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus brought us all together. Take all your differences and set them aside and be peacemakers. Spread peace. Um, you realize that in your relationship, this is the peace of relationships. When you get closer to God, your relationships get better. Do you understand that? Think about that. When we get closer to God, my relationships get better. I share this in, uh, in premarital counseling all the time. I call it God's love triangle. And I tell, I tell the couples, I draw a, a triangle, and I say, on this side is the husband, and on this side is the wife, and up here is God. And so what we're supposed to do is we're, we're to get closer and closer to Christ. And so as, as the husband gets closer to Christ, so does the spouse, and the wife gets closer, husband and wife, and pretty soon the triangle gets shorter and the base gets shorter. And as we're seeking God, we actually get closer to one another. So that triangle actually folds up and it, it becomes smaller. The base becomes smaller because you keep seeking God. And this is, what, this is one of the greatest things in a marriage as we seek God. We get to experience his peace. See, it's, you know, how can you say that you know God if you're not going not to exhibit his characteristic in your life? How can I say that, you know I, know, I know the Prince of Peace. He's my Savior, but yet I'm so unpeaceful at home. I'm so, man, filled with anger. Well, I may have anger and temper, temper issues, but I have to surrender them to God, right? Nobody's perfect. We understand that. But are we moving in the direction of Christ? Are we coming forward? How can I come to the church and, and hold grudges on other people? That's, that's a double negative, isn't it? You know, it's like, wow, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to come to Christ. And as we come to Christ, God slowly shows you how that you can forgive other people. He shows you how that you can let go, how that you can restore peace. 
You'll never have every disagreement solved. Do not think that peace means every disagreement solved. It means that we have peace. That doesn't mean that we, we don't have conflict. There will always be conflict. But we have peace. We have a sense of wholeness. We have a sense that, hey, there's unity. We're moving forward. And, and you know what? It doesn't matter. There are things about the guy at work that you don't like. It's okay, right? The guy in the cubicle next to you, it's okay. And I can learn to love them for who they are. And you can do that in your life. You can learn to love them. And as we get closer to Christ, my relationships change. They really, really do. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. That's what he says. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Do you live in peace? You have the peace of God. It starts there upward first. If you don't have this relationship right, all these other relationships will never be able to be solved. We have to start there upward. And then inward, I need God to work in me. And now outward. So how do I get that peace? It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to get it. I, what do I do? I come back to Him. Uh, back to Isaiah 48. He says, if you would just understand what I have for you in my word, I've given you my words. It's good for you. I'm here to teach you what is good for you. Oh, that you would listen to my commands. Come back and listen to what God has said. Follow his ways. Uh, James chapter 4 says to, uh, that God gives us grace, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you realize when you come before the Lord and say, God, I need you in this area of my life, you're humbling yourself. You're saying, I don't have this figured out. God, I've, I have all these things I've attained, I've tried to do, but I need your peace in my life. You may try to live a really good life, but not have peace. There's something wrong. You've got to come back and get the peace of God. It's more about who he is than what you can do. And look, in that verse there, it says he gives more grace. Why does he give more grace? Because we keep failing. We keep failing. His grace is sufficient. His, he keeps giving more and more grace. And he says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when you come before him, he gives you grace. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. And this is really the answer right here. Come to me, all who, are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus says, I am humble. I am gentle. I am humble. And you will find rest for your souls. How does the world say to get peace? Better time management. Get a better hobby. Get, get some good advice. Go get healing. Do all those different things. Jesus says, here it is. Come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. I'm the one who's the provider. Come to me. Not more philosophy. You can't buy it in a, in a pill. You can't buy it in a package. It won't fit under the tree. But it's only found in a person. The person of Jesus. And so I'm asking all of us today, whether... You have the peace of God. Do you have that upward peace? How about the peace of God in your heart? Do you, are you living and experiencing this? Or is it just something that you think the Bible says? You know the Bible says it, but you haven't experienced it. How about in your relationships? Maybe you're, you're having struggle in your relationships. Will you let the peace of God reign in those areas? Will you come and submit each one of those areas to the, to the Lord this morning and just... Tell him that you need him. And you need him to work in those areas. And let him be who he said he is. The Prince of Peace. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I'd like to ask you to respond to God. The first and most important peace is peace with God. Has your account been settled? Your sin has separated you from the Father. And Jesus paid the price on the cross that you may have eternal life. If that's you today, and you say, I need that peace. I need my accounts settled with God. I need, the pe I need peace with God. I'd like to ask you just to quietly pray a prayer like this in your heart. Pray this to the Lord. Dear Lord, I come before you and I need you, God. 
I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your glorious standard. If I get what I deserve, I'd be separated from you forever. But you paid the price on the cross for me. When Jesus died, he died for me, and I accept that today. Thank you that you rose him from the dead again. And I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. For others in the room today, maybe you're lacking peace in some areas. There's a lot of things. Maybe you need to just humble yourself before the Lord. Let go of that pride. Let go of some areas and just just be humble before the Lord. God, I need you. God, I can't do this on my own. I've been walking with you for many years. I still can't do this on my own. I need your power. That's where he wants each one of us to come. I need your peace. I need the Prince of Peace to roll and reign in my heart. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person here as they respond to you. As they come to you, Lord, as you said in your word, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray today for our congregation. May they experience the peace that passes all understanding. May they experience the Prince of Peace reigning in their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. And as, uh, as we sing to the Lord. If you'd like to come and kneel, please do so. Kneel and pray. Humble before the Lord. Uh, humble yourself at minimum in your seat and respond to Him. Lord, I come and I confess Bowing here I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the Holy